Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Excited uh, that you're here. Excited to, to get to share with you. It's always a privilege. It's always an honor uh, just to get to teach the word of God and talk around around the word. So um, I'm, I'm excited to get into uh, what Steve already told you we're going to talk about today. All right. Um, before we do that, I kind of want to go back and talk about how two weeks ago we started talking around the story in Matthew chapter 4. I don't know if you were here and you remember this, but we, we talked about when Jesus went into the wilderness. I'm sorry, when he was baptized um, by water, Holy Spirit came down upon him. Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And, and we, we began to see the temptation that, that he faced. The devil came and tempted him with the very first temptation. He said, after Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he said, um, this is my own, my own words. He said, hey, man, I know you're hungry. Turn these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus made a fascinating statement. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. We, we actually have it today. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Come on, say word. Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, what's fascinating about this scripture and that word, word, is it actually means the rhema word, which means the spoken word of God. There's two words to describe the word word or scripture, and it is rhema and it is logos. Logos is the written word. Rhema is the spoken, uh, the spoken word. It literally means utterance. Notice that Jesus didn't use the, the written word here, not that there's anything against that or that I'm um, diminishing the power of the written word, but he used the word rhema. He said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every spoken out loud word from God in their life. How many know God's still speaking? How many know you're the ones who hear him? And he, Jesus actually taught us it's okay for you to live by the rhema word. In fact, he didn't just tell us it was okay, he told us to do it. He said, live by this, just like as a physical person, you would live by bread, that, that, that your physical body, he, he actually correlated between bread and rhema. It was something that, that gave you, uh, that, that fulfilled you, that satisfied you, that, that fed you. Um, I think it's even interesting, he didn't, he didn't use a protein, he used a carbohydrate. Like, you need that extra energy. Rain of bread from him. <clears throat> oh, come on, don't look at me like you don't eat your carbs. We all eat our carbs. Let's just be honest. <clears throat> but I, I love what Jesus was saying here because he was not teaching. He was not che- teaching a charismatic Pentecostal truth. He was saying for the believer, we're called to live by the spoken word. It's called to live by that rhema word. It's not just reserved for the ones who, who have that in their doctrine, who really seem to preach on it more and center in on it more. No, every believer, yes, yeah, yeah, even, even the, the other 50% of the Baptists in that church need to live by that rhema word. Come on, because you know the other 50, they're living by it. They're just not telling anybody. They just got the Holy Spirit to themselves over here. <clears throat> Sorry, it's second service. This is what happens. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to try to rein it in right now. 
But he wants us to live by that, that rhema word. You know, what I've discovered in my own life is that when we have a, a rhema word, when we know what he's actually saying, we have, an, we have a power in that season that we would not have without that word. That the word itself is actually the power. That that spoken word, it, it seems to give us stronger, a stronger foundation, deeper roots. When, when he says, you know, for instance, if, he, if he's telling you to stay in your job, don't go somewhere else. Stay in that place. Um, guess what the enemy is going to try and come and say to you? Leave. Slap your boss on the way out and get up out of there and find another. Just go on now. Go on and get. <laughs> he's, you know, the, the, this is what the enemy does. He twists truth. He's going he's gonna to lead you even emotionally, try and convince you that it's time to go. It's time to find something else. It's, and by the way, I'm not speaking prophetically to you today. If you're, I'm not picking up on anything right now. I'm just giving you an example. <clears throat> but when you have that word that says to stay, even in the toughest times, even when it's hard at work, even when you can't stand your boss, even when they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, when you have that rhema word, you now have roots down deep that say, no, I'm going to obey the Lord and I'm going to stay. This is the power of the spoken word of God. Today, I kind of want to piggyback off of that idea, and um, I want to talk to you about how it's, 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 it's not just about you needing a word, but it's about you needing to declare a word. See, we don't just need a word in our life. We need to be declare, declaring a word. We need to be speaking out, declaring the words of God over our life. <clears throat> you see, your words actually have power. Whether you believe that or not, your words have power. You were created to be a speaking spirit. You're created to actually create worlds with your words. Now, I know that that kind of gets a bad rap, and that can kind of be taken out of context, and it can kind of <clears throat> be one of those concepts where, you know, people will sit back and say, well, that, that, that pastor down there, he believes you can control God and you can make him do things with your words. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about partnering with what he's already said. I'm talking about partnering with the Holy Spirit and speaking out things that be not as though they were because that's the way that he wants them. I'm talking about you want to know how you bring heaven to earth in every single area of life? You speak it. Your words have power. They create realities. They change your perspective. You want to know why you feel better after worship? It's because you've been declaring for 45 minutes. It's not because you like the music, although that helps. <clears throat> it's not because the drummer was good that Sunday. It's not because Luke led or didn't lead, whichever one you prefer. I'm just joking, Luke. I'm just joking. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's because actually you were opening your mouth and releasing power and actually changing the atmosphere and changing your mood. This is why the second song is always better than the first, because the first song, it took you to, all that time to change your mood. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> it's the power. It's actually the power of our words. And I believe that when we learn to, to um, let me just say this, when we remember what we've already been taught, because you've been taught this message before, but you engage in the power of your words, things actually begin to change in your life. 
Proverbs 18.21, you know it. It says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What that scripture is teaching us is those who actually value their words, those who love it, those who think there's a, those who actually believe there's power, those who, who control their tongue. Come on, I'll preach to myself today. That they'll actually reap fruit from believing their words. The Lord showed it to me uh, like this many years ago. He said, if you value your words, your words will value you. When you think about that, if you value your words, your words will value you. In other words, if you value what's coming out of your mouth, they will go out and accomplish that which you sent them forth to accomplish, and they'll value you. That will mean something. You'll get the fruit. Matthew chapter 4, um, diving back into this same story, I want to read it to you again. We see, the, we, <clears throat> we see Jesus being tempted by the enemy. We see him being offered really a lot of power. And notice how Jesus responds. It says um, in verse 1, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said. Notice it doesn't say he answered and thought. He answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Verse 7, Jesus said. He said. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. A quick side note we'll get into in just a moment, but I want you to catch at the beginning of this message. Hear me today. You cannot think your way out of the wilderness. You must speak your way out. You cannot think your way out of a hard time. You cannot think your way out of temptation. You must learn to speak your way out. Amen. Today, after the longest introduction ever, I want to title the message. I want to title the message, Get Out of Your Head. Look at your neighbor, tell him, say, get out of your head. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We, um, we give it to you. We, <clears throat> we even realize right now in this moment we are a spirit and we receive spiritually what you have for us. We engage in, this, in spiritual food today that we would live by this rhema word and the logos word. We would, we would grab hold of the food that really nourishes us and actually satisfies us. Change us, God. Make us more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. Um, most of you in here have heard this before, but there's a common phrase in sports, um, and it's known as home field advantage. You've heard that phrase before, right? A team has home field advantage. Uh, what, what that means is, is that when a team gets to play at home, there seems to be an advantage that they have. 
they have more, uh, more of a likelihood of winning when they play at home. Uh, we, we actually, if you, if you look at the stats, it, this, this concept, this idea, this truth actually uh, is, is most true in collegiate football. College football experiences this phenomenon, if you want to call it, the most out of any other sport. Um, I think the, the stat was a little above 65%, 67% of teams, they, or they win 67% of the time when they're at home. They have that advantage. Now, what do you find with home field advantage? You have the field that you're used to that you probably practice on. You have more fans than the other team. A lot of times you have refs that seem to like you a little bit more, um, which is completely illegal, but that's okay. Um, you've you just, you didn't have to travel. You kind of had to stay in your environment. There are, there's all these things that are to your advantage. But for those of you who played sports, you know what it's like to go to someone else's house. You know what it's like to have to travel and have to um, play on someone else's turf, so to speak. I remember in college, uh, I, played at, I played at West Texas A&M. Um, this was junior or senior year. We went to play at, um, at Eastern New Mexico, which by, which, by the way, is the worst place in the world. That, and, they, and they try and make it the worst place in the world. Now, just, I just got to see a show of hands. Did anybody here go to Eastern New Mexico? All right, I appreciate you coming today. I know I won't see you again, but go Greyhounds if that means anything to you. Um, I don't mean it, but I just wanted to say it to make you feel comfortable. Uh, we were, WT and, and, and Eastern New Mexico were, were rivals. We have a, the football team, it's a wagon wheel game. It's a traveling trophy. You get printed on who wins, and it's a big thing. Well, Eastern New Mexico, they, they ran the triple option. They like, they've stayed stuck in the 50s. It's like, come on, guys, like, we don't do that anymore. Sorry, I'm going to talk a little bit of football today, all right? And, but they do things to make it hard on everybody who comes in to play there. They, they, grow, they have a grass field. It's probably changed now, but back then they had a grass field, and they just let their grass grow. And it's just like, am I in junior high again? Are we out at a park? Or are we playing football in a park? And they try and slow you down and get in your head. And um, they, they try and create this home field advantage. I, when I went my junior or senior year, the, the kicker to this whole thing, not to mention it's a horrible place to go, they grow the grass out, but when you walked into the visitor's locker room, Guess what they did? They painted every square inch of that locker room bright pink. Every crevice, the concrete, the ceiling, the lockers, all not just pink, bright pink. And if, if you know anything about Division II sports, they're already crappy, all right? They just, they're worse than high school. The, the, the facilities are bad. And so I've got this horrible locker room painted bright pink. And guess what else? They have one toilet. And guess where it's at? In the middle of the locker room with zero stalls around it. Just a pot right in the middle. I could tell you stories, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> it was a miserable place to be. Not to mention this time that we go, the game ends up lasting about six and a half hours because of four different storm lightning delays. And guess where I had to go back into after, after they called us off the field? Into that stupid pink locker room. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Holy Spirit, I need your self-control today. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not play good that day. 
because I had a lot of things that were not to my advantage. I was on their turf, in their house. It was, it was bad. I went, out, I went out on fire the first half, and then after all the stuff, I went out, I think I threw like four interceptions in the second half. It was bad. It was a bad day. Now, if you look at my stats, you're like, that kind of happened a lot to you. And it's like, yeah, well, mind your own business. How about that? <clears throat> We're not talking about that today, all right? I will kick all the chairs if we start talking about that. Um, but I, I share that with you because what I have found is that many believers, they actually, um, they, they, they play out their life and they battle out their life on the wrong field. And this field that I'm talking about is in their mind. I don't know if you've ever realized this before, but your mind, you don't have home field advantage in your mind. You're not playing on your turf, you're playing on the enemy's turf. Where does he come to you like he came to Jesus in the wilderness? You know where he comes and tempts you? You know where he puts thoughts in? You know where, He does it right here in your mind, am I right? This is where the battlefield is. It is actually in your mind. And as long as you play there, you will be at a, at a disadvantage. Many Christians live their life fighting their thoughts, their wrong thoughts, with right thoughts. It has very little power. Fighting a thought with a thought will get you very little results. Come on, somebody. You want to know why? Because Jesus actually created a way for you to take the fight to your own home, to your, your home field. He created a way for you to take the fight and get it going into your advantage. You want to know how you do it? You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. It is your words. It is the power of your words. It is opening up your mouth that actually begins to work and release power into your life. I'll say it again. You can't think your way out of the wilderness. This is why the title of the message today is Get Out of Your Head. You want to know why you need to get out of your head? Because you can't win there. You have to get out of your head and get his words coming out of your mouth. This is where the fight happens. This is where the winning happens. This is where the victory actually begins to happen. It's actually when you begin to speak. It's actually when you begin to declare the word. Isn't this what Jesus taught us? Isn't this what he showed us? Jesus said. Jesus said. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Uh, you have some power saying your words. You have a lot of power saying his words. When his words start pouring out of your mouth, oh, that's when the real power begins to hit. But you have to understand this today. If you want to win in life, if you want to be successful in your walk with God, if you want to get out of that nasty season you find yourself in, it's going to it's going to take you talking a little bit. Now, I know that many of you have heard this before, but this week, and even right now, I want you to kind of go inward, and I want you to just think about this. <clears throat> think about how long you stay in your head. Think about how long we all stay in our head. How many times have you argued with that person in your head? How many times have you told them off? How many of you are ready for whatever angle they come at because you have a better angle? 
You've gone through all 47 of them in your head in, that, in the shower the other night. You did it. And you are ready to pounce upon them if they just open their mouth. You're ready. You're ready. Think about how long you stay in your head. Think about how long you stay beating yourself up right in here, condemning yourself, thinking about your past, thinking about the ways you messed up, thinking about the sins still in your life, thinking about how you should be better, how you should think better. Hear me, you, be, be, be free today and realize you are not your thoughts, and your thoughts are not a sin. This is where the battle happens. And many of us, if you want to win and if you just want to be a little bit more joyful in your life, you got to learn to get out of your head, myself included. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the longer you stay there, the worse you get. The longer you stay there, the more unhappy you get. The longer you stay there, the more condemned you get. You want to know why? Because in this place, you're at an extreme disadvantage. This was a new thought for me. I want you to think about who's present in your mind. Think about all, who's, who's all there. Number one, you have the enemy. He's there. This is where he's fighting you. Number two, here's one for you. You're there. What you think about yourself, how you feel. And so you're dealing with enemy's thoughts. You're dealing with your own. Condemnation's there. Shame is there. Lies that probably, there's still lies that we are believing in this room. Lies are there. All of that, if I could say it this way and, and continue my analogy, those are all the fans cheering against you because you're on their turf. We can't fight there. We, it's very hard to win there. Now, some of you are thinking, well, doesn't the Bible say that you, that you should renew your mind and that you're changed by the way that you think? Yes, and guess how you renew your mind? By speaking. Um, you, have to, well, you have to realize, and this, this, this should help you, <clears throat> your mind is not sanctified and redeemed. Uh, when you got saved, your mind did not. Super encouraging, right? Your mind was not saved. When you, when you receive salvation and you, and you read that scripture that says, old things have passed away, behold, all things have been made new. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's actually talking about your spirit. You did become new that day. You became new in spirit. This is who you really are. You are a spirit. And, and I got really, really good news for you today. As you sit here today as a born-again believer, you are as perfect in spirit as Jesus is. You are as righteous as Jesus as you sit here today. You're as pure. You're as forgiven. You're as powerful. Same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That is who you are in spirit. It was, you, were, it was, you had an old spirit that was not renewed, that was not perfect, and that when that was not like Jesus. But the moment you, moment you accepted him, you got a new spirit. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that is the most real you, and that is the most real me. But there's another realm. It's called your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those were not made new. 
I'll prove it to you. Anybody, when you got saved, you just started having the holy thoughts? You never had a bad thought again. Raise your hand. Anybody in here? Come on. Anybody in the back? Steve-O, worship leader? No, not you? Okay. Sound guy? You're holy? No? Okay, fine. He's not the sound guy. His name's Matt Soto, by the way. I, know, I love you. I, I know you by name. <clears throat> by the way, you want to talk about someone who has some power in a service? Y'all looking up here and look him. He can make everybody sound great, and he can completely cut me if he wants to. That's why I'm glad he likes me. All right, moving on. Mini message. All right. And that's what it's like when you have the Holy Spirit. It's like you're the sound guy. Okay. <clears throat> I can tie anything in to a message. All right. <clears throat> I have no idea what I was talking about. Let's go back to my story. No, I'm kidding. What was I talking about? Your soul. Thank you. Thank you for listening. God bless you. You can leave. You're good. You got it. Your soul is not redeemed. This, this is why Paul said you have to renew it. Your mind and your will and your emotions, they don't become sanctified upon salvation. They are not redeemed. They need to be renewed. In other words, Jesus was pointing to the fact you've got a battle here. And the best way that you can battle those thoughts is by opening your mouth and speaking. Now, what I've, what I've discovered in, in this process is that <clears throat> the more that you mature and the more that the, the word actually begins to get in you, in a lot of ways and in, in most times, there are, there are some battles that you actually have to, you, you stop fighting. The more word you get in, it's like it, gets, it becomes so true in you. The more you renew your mind, the more messages you hear, the more that you read that word, um, the more that you begin to believe it, the, the less battle there is. Like, like, for instance, when the enemy tries to come in and try to convince you that you're not a child of God, it just doesn't hold much weight. It's like, no, I've already been convinced of that. I've already sang about it a lot. I've already read about it a lot. I know I'm a child of God. I, that's, that's deep within me. So there's not, he doesn't have much room there. But just through my own experience, I want to tell you today, it actually doesn't matter how mature you are and how much word that you know. In some seasons, the enemy ramps up his fight against you in your thought life. And he will try to convince you of things that you've believed the opposite of for many, many years. You know what you need to do during those times? If he's going to ramp up his attack, his attack, you better ramp up your speaking. It's in those moments. It's in those moments. We don't even realize it. it's in those moments we stay in our head. And I'm here to remind you today, get out of your head. It's time to get out of your head and start speaking and start declaring his promises over your life. If he's trying to convince you of something, why don't you convince him of something? Why don't you convince yourself of something by speaking out? I was reminded by a lady after the first service, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by what? In order for you to hear, you have to, someone has to speak. And you know who the most convincing person to you is? Yourself. You love your own voice. You do. You are the most, you are the most believable person. And when you actually begin to talk to yourself, I'm talking about being the crazy Christian that talks to themselves. There's a book by Steve Backlund. He says, you're, you're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. Crazy if you don't. 
I've learned that it's in these moments that when the, when the battle is ramped up, we have to learn how to open our mouth. It's, this is such a great reminder today. <clears throat> now, here's the kicker to this whole message. You ready? This is where the rubber meets the rope. Here's what you have to realize about speaking and declaring. When it's most important, you won't feel like doing it. When you need it the most, you won't want to do it. I'm going to just guess that you're a little bit like me. When I'm mad and angry, I want to stay mad and angry. You're laughing because it's true. When I am disappointed and when I'm frustrated, the last thing that I want to do is talk about how I'm not frustrated and declare that I'm not disappointed and that I'm so joyful in the Lord. (laughs) Hear me today. If you wait to feel like speaking, you never will. It is in these moments that you have to find something within. You have to lean into the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to move my lips. I, need you, I actually need your strength and your power just right now just to say something positive. Say something that is a promise. Say something that doesn't sound like fear. Say something that is the opposite of my anxiousness. To say something that is, that is outside and above my disappointment. To say something that is not in the, in the valley but is, in, is, is about the mountaintop. It's to say something that you've actually declared even though I don't feel like it. And I, and I wish that I had, I wish that I had a, um, some profound um, revelation to tell you that will help you say that thing when you don't want to, but I don't. You're just going to have to do it. You just have to say it. I love Joel 3.10. It says, let the weak say, come on, you know it, I am strong. It doesn't say let the weak not admit that they're weak. Word of faith teaches you don't even get to say. You don't get to admit. You don't get to be real about where you're, where you're at. Like, no, don't even say you're sick. No, don't even say you're weak. There's some truth to that. But I love, I love, I really want to encourage you all to follow Steve Backlund and go listen to his stuff on this. He says, he says this, I'm a strong person having a weak experience. Come on, that's good right there. I'm a strong person having a weak experience. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the weak say I'm strong. Come on, say I'm strong. When you are weak, you, the first thing you need to start doing is saying, I'm strong. Get out of your head. Stop thinking that you're crazy. Stop thinking that you're losing your mind. Stop thinking that you're not good enough. Stop thinking that you just don't have it. Stop thinking that there's no way I'm going to get through this. Stop thinking that that no one can overcome this, especially me. No, no, no. I want you to just, you know, strap up them bootstraps and stand up. And even if you don't believe it, say I'm strong. 
Don't wait to feel it. Don't wait for the encouragement. Don't wait for some strength to kind of come from someone else. No, stand up in your weakness and say, Lord, I'm strong. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I'm scared about my kids, but I declare that they are covered by your wings, sheltered by your promises. Ain't no evil coming near them because they got angels on their side. And, I, and even, even though you feel something, you say something different. Some of you are like, well, what, what do I say? Say the word. It's very, very simple. Are you dealing, if you're dealing with an anxiety, go and find scriptures that talk about anxiety and then declare those scriptures out of your mouth. Don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to take that scripture. And when I feel anxious, I'm going to say, I'm not anxious about anything because he's on my side. And Lord, I declare to you today and thank you today that you're on my side, that you're working on my behalf, that this thing that I'm anxious about, you're going to take care of. And I receive the peace that you have for me. And I'm not, a, I'm not walking around anxious today. I'm walking around in peace because the Prince of Peace rules in my heart. And I just begin to talk and begin to speak. I don't, hear me, I know I've said it a bunch today. I don't think that. I don't think that. Thinking, fighting thoughts with thoughts is like taking a BB gun to, the, to a war zone. You might tick someone off, but you're going down. <clears throat> oh, but you take out a bazooka when you open your mouth. Do they still make bazookas? I'm not really sure. I just that's the first thing that came to my head. All right. <clears throat> that's where the power's at, amen. Let the weak say. Let the weak say. I heard a story not too long ago about Chris Vallotton pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and he he had gotten COVID and was just, man, he was super sick. He'd been down for almost seven, 10 days, something crazy. Still was not feeling well. And he felt the Lord come to him, the Holy Spirit come to him and say, you must get up and lead. You have to get up. You must lead. He didn't feel like it. I'm sure he had thoughts of, well, Lord, if that's you, if you would heal me, I'd get up and lead. If you take me out of this situation, he said, you must lead. And I want to, I want to piggyback off that and, and, and tell you this today. You must speak. You must start speaking. If you find yourself battling those thoughts, hanging around in your head way too long, it's time for you to jump up out of your head. You must speak. I don't feel like it. You must speak. I feel too weak. You must speak. I'm disappointed. You must speak. I'm freaking frustrated. You must speak. Things aren't working on my behalf. You must speak and declare that they are. I keep feeling this way. You must speak. I just experienced tragedy. You must speak. You must speak. I'm not seeing all the things that I read about and all the things the pastor talks about. You must speak. No one feels like it. No one feels like it. And the enemy would love nothing more for you to stay in your head and convince you that something's wrong with you, that you're going crazy, that you need to be on medication, that you're depressed, that you're too anxious, that you'll never overcome that fear. And if you stay there, 
He will win. But he won't when you open your mouth. Opening your mouth will take you right up out of that hot pink locker room. And put you at home. This is your flipping turf. When you start opening your mouth, this now, now you're in control. Now you being the speaking spirit that he made you to be, you start creating. You shut his flipping mouth up. Sorry, kids. Should have gone to junior high discipleship. I'm, I'm telling you, like, I'm getting, I'm getting amped up. You want to know why? Because I've been speaking. I've been speaking. You want to know why every time a sports team, before they go out, what do they get from a leader on the team or the coach? They get a pep talk. Why? Power in words. Power in words. Power in your words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Jesus said to the enemy, Jesus said, get out of here. Jesus said, he didn't think, he said, and I believe this is a right now word for many of you today. It's time to get out of your head and let his words start coming out of your mouth. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.